Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hey, how it goes, and welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Greetings from Minneapolis, where the Pelicans can set the tick on the Timberwolves tonight. I'm Sean Kelly. Happy Monday to you. A wet one, to say the least, across southeast Louisiana. Hope everyone is uh, bearing that out very well. Uh, tornado warning earlier today down the in the southern parishes. Uh, but, uh, again, kind of a wet, nasty day. It was kind of a bumpy ride all the way here to Minneapolis after a Pelicans loss last night to the Houston Rockets. And, boy, is it interesting now in the Western Conference playoff chase. With the Pelicans losing to the Rockets 121-114 to last night and the Thunder falling at Indiana Things pretty much remain the same. Both teams tied for the eighth position in the West with two games to play. Now, with the Thunder loss, though, the magic number for the Pelicans is down to two. The best-case scenario would be this. Tonight, the Pelicans beat the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Oklahoma City Thunder lose to the Portland Trailblazers. That would eliminate the uh, Thunder, and, um, and the Pelicans would be in. But um, if it couldn't get more strange, it, it has uh, obviously, not only did the Thunder lose to the Pacers last night, but Wessel, Russell Westbrook was teed up for the 16th time this season by referee Ed Malloy. Uh, that 16th technical uh, was to trigger a one-game suspension, automatic for receiving that many technical fouls, and then he was to miss tonight's game against the Blazers, who who might rest a lot of guys. The Blazers can't change their playoff position, and, uh, and may just uh, kind of shut things down until the start of the playoffs. But here we have found out uh, late this Monday morning that the NBA has rescinded the technical foul charged to Westbrook last night. And so Westbrook will play for the Thunder, obviously last night after taking a gazillion shots and going for 54 points. Um, the Thunder definitely need him if they uh, hope to continue with the Pelicans along to the very end here. Um, I am... Uh, <laughs> I'm at a loss with regard to the news that the uh, technical foul has been rescinded. Look, this is bad no matter which way it was going to turn out. Number one, if Westbrook was teed up for a 16th time in only 64 games played, look, he had it coming. 
uh, as far as not being aware of the situation and should never have had, I guess, 15 prior technical fouls to put himself and his team in jeopardy. Uh, and certainly from a purist standpoint, I sit here and say, wow, I would hate to see the Western Conference playoff chase decided by a 16th technical foul, but I go back to what I just said. It is what it is. The situation was ongoing throughout the season, and uh, Westbrook did lead the NBA in technical fouls. I mean, even more than DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, on the other hand, uh, rescinding the technical foul also looks bad because uh, one of two things are, are then in play or will be argued about uh, passionately probably. Look, either the uh, technical foul was rescinded because Ed Malloy, whom I have you know plenty to discuss with you about, uh, made a bad decision in teeing up Westbrook last night. That in itself is, doesn't look good. Uh, or B, um, they rescinded this technical foul and taken away the one-game suspension uh, in the hopes of saying, well, we don't want to be on the hook here for uh, a possible thunder elimination because of this. You know, Conspiracy theories, the whole nine yards. I don't buy into the conspiracy theory stuff, but um, it just it doesn't look good either way. There's no good way to look at it at all. And, uh, and I know there are going to be a lot of Pelicans fans really tarked off about this decision by the NBA or about the decision last night to blow the whistle and uh, take this thing into today where it becomes um, mm, uh, a little more than a burr under the saddle for a lot of fans. So the bottom line is this. They have rescinded the technical foul. Westbrook will play tonight. Uh, let's hope that the Blazers don't lay down here um, in this next-to-last game because of their playoff situation being cemented as the, the winners of the Northwest Division. We'll see how it goes. Look, at the end of the day, the Pelicans still can, can take care of this themselves, win tonight against Minnesota, and win on Wednesday at home against the San Antonio Spurs. We're going to talk here in a moment with Mike Breen from uh, ABC and ESPN. He's the lead play-by-play voice of the NBA for the biggest network covering the NBA, ABC and ESPN. We recorded that interview a little earlier this morning, and you'll hear Breen talk about the technical foul situation. Uh, the uh, timing of our interview was prior to the NBA's decision, but you'll get a feel not only from Michael about uh, that situation, but the uh, NBA in general as we get into the last week of the regular season with games having already been played yesterday. That's the start of what I think is going to be a good show, even though it's kind of been <laughs> kicked off on a sour note here with the decision by the NBA. Uh, also today, the NFL Draft Preview Series continues. The Oakland Raiders select fourth overall, and to help us uh, understand where the Raiders are and what they might do in the upcoming NFL Draft, Phil Barber from the Santa Rosa Press Democrat is on today's show. And then also joining us here in Minneapolis from PGATour.com is Amanda Balionis discussing the, uh, the Masters at Augusta and the great, great story of Jordan Spieth, his wire-to-wire -wire win yesterday in Augusta. One quick note here. Oh, let me get you a couple things real gar with regards to last night's uh, ball game at Houston. The Pelicans lost by a final of 121 to 114, allowing the Rockets to score 34 in the third and 35 in the fourth. It was James Harden's 30 points and Dwight Howard's 19 and 11 that uh, proved to be a massive problem for the Pelicans. New Orleans also suffered on the fast break, outscored in that category 21 in uh, losing to the uh, Rockets and splitting the season series with Houston. After the ball game last night, Monty Williams with his thoughts to the media. 
up three at the half. Coach, what changed for your team in the second half? Our defense at the end of the third and beginning of the fourth um, wasn't great. Yeah, and we didn't play smart tonight. I mean, we gave them 48 free throws. That was, you know, some of it was the hack-a-shack, but a lot of it was we were reaching on Harden, uh, something we haven't done all year long. Uh, we put him on the free throw line nine times, mm -hmm. you know. Not his average is 10, but uh, we didn't play as smart as we would have liked to have played. But the defense at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth, um, and Brewers' energy, really changed the game. So uh, they needed a great effort to beat us. They scored a ton of points, uh, 69 points in the second half. We can't do that. You were wary of their fast break ability, yeah. Coach, and that got lopsided. Yeah, we had some possessions where we didn't get um, the kind of shot that we would have liked, and our floor balance was off, mm -hmm. and they were leaking out and usually playing in two-on-one, three-on-one situations, and sometimes one-on-one, -on -one, and they just finished it. And um, I thought that energy kind of put us back on our heels a little bit. But um, that happens here on their floor. They run a lot, but especially here at home. How different is it if you guys are able to score a little bit early fourth? It seemed to Dawson dry up. Yeah, we missed a lot of shots, um, you know, for whatever reason. Obviously, I have to look at the film. But um, I thought because they were scoring, we were playing against a set defense. And anytime you play against their set defense, uh, it's a lot tougher. Plus, Dwight comes back at the begin beginning of the fourth. That anchors their D. Um, a lot better than when he's out of the game, obviously. But uh, we have another game tomorrow, and we got to get ourselves ready for that one. Coach, when you when you would look at this, I guess, and I know it's still quick and early here, but how much of that was you got beat by a good team tonight, and how much of it was what you said you kind of got out of your own game a little yeah, bit? I don't know what percentage to put yeah. on it, but both okay. um, they're pretty good. And um, you know, if we win tonight, it's three-one. So I'm sure that was on their minds as well. Um, and they have two great players who can uh, dominate a game. And I thought Dwight was really efficient in the post tonight. We didn't want to give up threes by doubling him, but uh, he made almost every shot down there. Is it even possible to have a greater sense of urgency than you and your players are going through right now as you now get to tomorrow night? No, I think we, our guys are, are as focused um, now after the loss than they were before the game because they know what's at stake. Uh, but we got to ratchet it up even more. Like I said, we didn't play as smart as we uh, have played against this team. From the reaching, uh, free throw rebounding, you know, stuff like that. That's not our typical um, output. So you know, we got to get better there, uh, focus more on, on the little things. And we talk about that all the time. Uh, and, and again, you know, we have another game tomorrow uh, that's right in front of us, and we got to make the most of it. If there was one positive from last night's game, uh, it was Drew Holiday. After going one for seven in his first game back from injury this past Friday, uh, Drew looked more like the old Drew last night. Even with his minutes restriction, uh, Holiday in 15 minutes and eight seconds hit seven of his nine shots, including a perfect three for three from three-point land, and ended up with 17. Holiday spoke to the media as well last night after the game, uh, primarily about his injury and where he stands right now down the stretch of the season. Do you feel sharper than, than you did maybe Friday night just having another game under your belt? Uh, yeah, I felt more comfortable. Um, definitely shooting the ball, I think. Especially last game, it was definitely more uh, energy and, and just adrenaline. But uh, I think I could focus in a little bit a little bit better this game. And, uh, Sorry. Is it difficult having that 15-minute restriction and, and playing with that? You're not used to, to that view of minute count. I mean, I just give my all no matter what. Um, obviously, I... 
I'd like to play longer and, and help out my team, but um, obviously that's best for my leg. And I think with the time out there, I'm producing pretty well for my team. So. Did you, did you have the shooting rhythm that you had? I mean, only your second game. I mean, that, did you feel like that was right off the bat that you, you just rhythm was just different from the game the other night? Um, I do. Uh, I think I made my first shot. So uh, obviously, when you see that first shot goes in, go in, it's. Uh, I mean, the, the goal does kind of open up a little bit, but um, again, I just think last game was, was more so for me, just a lot of energy and, and I don't want to say anxiety, but uh, just, I wouldn't even say jitters, just uh, uh, really excited to go out there and play. I know, obviously, this was a loss and had a chance to get closer to playoffs, but um, another thing, Ryan played really well tonight. I mean, how, how nice was that to see the way they played? Yeah. Too. I mean, I, I, I we obviously know what we're going through, especially us two. Um, coming back from injury and, and kind of being, I don't want to say thrown in there, but being back into the mix so quickly, and especially at a crucial time. So um, proud of him. Uh, and I mean, gl glad he got to play well and, and get that confidence back in. Uh, I guess the same thing for me. I think um, obviously these last two games I, I played, personally I played pretty well, and, and that's definitely a confidence booster. Do you kind of lean on the medical staff? Do they sort of give you that minutes restriction, or do you sort of have to communicate back and forth how you're feeling? Um, it, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, obviously, they have to save me from me. If it was up to me, I wouldn't tell them. I just tell them I was good the whole time until like until I could barely walk anymore. Uh, so um, they kind of saved me from myself. Um, no, today it didn't. Uh, today I think I think I played pretty well. Uh, and my leg felt really good, so that's, that's definitely good for me. But today didn't affect my rhythm. Last game, it didn't either. So it's the Pelicans and the Timberwolves tonight, a huge game again. They're all big the rest of the way. The Wolves have lost 10 in a row. Their injury list is longer than, it seems, their active roster going into this evening's ball game. 7 o'clock tip-off tonight on the Pelicans Radio Network and Fox Sports New Orleans. We'll take our first time out. When we come back, Mike Breen to talk more NBA and then NFL uh, Raiders talk with uh, Phil Barber and then some golf as well on this Monday. Stay with us. It's the final regular season home game for your New Orleans Pelicans. So join us this Wednesday at 7 p.m. at the Smoothie King Center as the San Antonio Spurs face the Pelicans in a Southwest Division showdown. Pelicans Fest starts at 5.30 with music, interactive games, and appearances by Pierre and the Pelicans dance team. The first 10,000 fans receive a team poster courtesy of Smoothie King. Tickets start as low as $15. So call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your tickets today. At Smoothie King, we're so much more than just fruit in a blender because each and every Smoothie King smoothie is blended for a purpose. Whether you want to firm up for summer or last longer in the gym, make it one more mile or simply make it through the day, we have a smoothie just for that. If you're looking to purify your diet, hurry in and try our new Nutty Super Grain Vegan Smoothie made with almond milk, Sun Warrior Protein, Super Grains, and a peanut taste you'll go nutty for. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. This is Pelicans guard Drew Holiday, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. He is the lead voice of the NBA on ABC and ESPN. Our Mondays are always better when Mike Breen can join us. He returns here to our little old podcast, and uh, certainly we love having Mike Breen on with all that's going on in the NBA as we wind down the regular season. Michael, good morning. The Pelicans are in Minneapolis, and that's where we are visiting today. 
And I know everybody's got their fingers crossed. It's been uh, it's been a crazy season for your Pelicans. It's been a crazy season for a lot of teams. And fortunately, the playoffs finally begin. Uh, and I know you're hoping to see your your gang get in. It'd be pretty uh, a pretty neat story for them to get in and, and get a chance to show people. Uh, just how good they can be and be neat for Anthony Davis to get his first playoff experience. Oh, there's no doubt about that. I think that for this program to take their next step, it has to be a playoff appearance, even if it is the eighth seed against Golden State. And certainly um, things are affected uh, greatly, almost minute by minute. I had a different first question planned for you, Mike, but um, in light of what happened at Indianapolis last night, I've got to get your thoughts on on what happened when Russell Westbrook was uh, teed up by Ed Malloy last night. What, what was your reaction? You know, I, I just I read about the, the, the scenario. I didn't see it. Um, and as you know, there's, there's always a possibility that they can rescind technical fouls, and it usually takes them by late afternoon the next day, whether or not they decide that. And obviously that has a, a huge impact on several teams, including the Pelicans and the Thunder. So, um, you know, Westbrook was – he hung with 14 technicals for a long time. He was racking them up early, and then he realized he was getting close, and he held back. It would really be unfortunate um, if a team missed out on a playoff because their star player picked up their 16th technical. But quite frankly, you have no one to blame but yourself. Uh, if if it's a deserved technical, hey, you you got to be able to control yourself, and that's why they put the rule in. Mike, I think there's going to be a camp that agrees with you that let's not affect the playoff chase with this scenario, but at the same time, I would imagine the blowback toward the NBA league offices would be pretty severe if they rescind this technical and allow Westbrook to play tonight against Portland. Well, you know, it, it, it all depends on what went down. I mean, they always do their due diligence. Uh, they would call Westbrook. They would obviously speak with the official who has already filed his report. The officials file their reports after the game. So, um, you know, if it's if the official says, you know, he didn't say anything obscene, I hadn't given him a warning, and maybe I overreacted, that could be a possibility. I mean, that happens on a, on a fairly regular basis. I shouldn't say regular basis, but it happens. Uh, so after talking with everybody, they're, they're not going to do it just because it's, it has such an impact. I mean, if you remember last year when uh, Oklahoma City played Memphis in that playoff series, Zach Randolph got, uh, got tossed for throwing a punch and was suspended for Game 7. And there was a cry that, you know what, it, it kind of the two of the guys, Stephen Adams and, and, and Zach Randolph, went at it. Uh, maybe we should let Randolph play. But no, in a Game 7 of a playoff series, they stuck with it. So they're not going to do it because of, of the circumstance. They're going to do it because they think it warrants it. When you look at Oklahoma City and what they've been through as a team, and certainly Pelican fans can sympathize after what New Orleans has been through the last couple of seasons with their uh, you know, crazy injury situations. Uh, that's an interesting story. And, and to watch Russell Westbrook do what he's done. Uh, Michael, can you remember a player in recent memory that's been able to carry his team as much as Russell Westbrook has? No, not with those, these kind of numbers. There's our, every year, Sean, we have guys, and, and you're watching it up close and personal with Davis, uh, guys who really do carry their team. But the, the extraordinary numbers he's putting in, and the way he plays, uh, you take that into effect with, with such fury, with such energy, um, and across the board. I mean, not only he's not just getting triple doubles, he's getting triple doubles with 30 and 40 points. He's getting triple doubles with 15 assists. I think he even had one game where he had 15 rebounds. 
So his numbers are historic, and the only guys that have put up these kind of numbers uh, have been Oscar Robertson and Michael Jordan. So from that standpoint, it has been riveting to watch. And, you know, the shame of it is is one of these two players, either Anthony Davis or Russell Westbrook, are, are not going to be on display in the playoffs. And, and that's really a shame for the NBA fan who deserves to watch these two dynamic players. Michael, if there was ever a conversation about whether the regular season matters or not, this case study would be, I guess, uh, at the top of the list, this battle for the eighth spot in the West, and then certainly the uh, mind-blowing uncertainty of two through six in the Western Conference as well. Yeah, and you know what, Sean, not just, not just the end of the season. Like, just for example, take a, look at, take a look at OKC early when they didn't have Westbrook and Durant and how many close games that they lost. Um, back in November, even though they were really shorthanded, they had a couple of games where they just lost at the buzzer. So it goes to show you that you know a couple of a key losses in November might make the difference between a team uh, getting into the playoffs, or might make the difference between a team having home court in the first round or not, or even might make the difference of a team having home court in a conference final. Um, you know, I've always believed that, and, and for people who follow the NBA closely, you know the regular season means a lot, and each game is important, and, and that's why when it comes to the end of the season, all of a sudden, in games like this, and you start to get a playoff feel, because every possession is so important, every possession matters, and that's why teams like Golden State and, and San Antonio and, and teams like, obviously, Atlanta and now the way Cleveland's playing, you know, they play that way for, for the majority of the season, and that's why they're the top of their standings. There's no doubt. Pelicans fans will look back. Let's say the Pelicans don't make this thing. They miss it by one game. They're going to look back at a loss at New York, at Philadelphia, certainly giving away a second half at Boston. Um, all those things are going to play into it. Would yeah, you look at these last no doubt. Of- and it would be, yeah. it'd be a shame because, you know, we talk about Oklahoma City injuries. But what the Pelicans have done with, with so many key guys missing, you know, double-figure games, it's, it's pretty incredible as well. I mean, they've, they've put together a wonderful season um, and whoever doesn't make it, you know, it's like Phoenix last year, Phoenix winning 48 games and, and not getting in. It was such a feel-good story. And, you know, there's going to be the initial disappointment. Say the Pelicans don't make it. The, the initial disappointment will be tremendous. But it's still been a fantastic season of growth. And the fact that they're in this position despite having their own injury woes, uh, I, I think is very impressive. Mike, if the Pelicans finish this off, that means that every team in the Southwest Division will be in the Western Conference playoffs. <laughs> Is that have carry any significance nationally? Um, no, I don't think so. And quite honestly, Sean, um, I, I don't know why we still have divisions. Uh, I just don't get it. Uh, to, to me, the divisions are a thing of the past. You know, and even like the whole Portland thing, and like why should be Portland in the in the top four seats because they win the division, even though other teams have better records. I'm not one who believes. We should have the top 16 teams make the playoffs regardless of conference. But I think the divisions, have, they're no longer useful. They're no longer a big deal. With that said, the division, um, to have all five teams go in, uh, there's no question it's the toughest division in the NBA. It's one of the toughest divisions in all of pro sports. And the only thing it does guarantee now is you know you're going to play the other teams in your division four times. There might be one or two teams in the conference you play three times. But I think the divisions, I, I think the majority of fans could care less about divisions, and I'm with them. I, I still don't know why um, that's a part of the equation in terms of uh, the playoff seating and the way we set it up like that. What does Adam Silver do? Well, I will say this. Um, I don't know if I've ever um, been around somebody who so 
embraces the history and the traditions of the game, yet is so open to real change and creative ideas and listening to other people. So all these different things that people are throwing at him, um, he really takes takes to heart and really studies and is not afraid to make changes. So I would I wouldn't be surprised in the next couple of years um, that we see some pretty big changes, like something like that, like maybe the division's gone. Another thing that I know he's looking at is, you know, the hack-a-shack rule, which has turned into a hack-a-Jordan rule with the Clippers and DeAndre Jordan. If they make the uh, the away from the play foul throughout the game and not just the last two minutes, um, he's ready to, to make proper changes, but he's not going to be quick to do it, again, because he has this he has this tie to traditions, but he's so open to creative thinking and making the game better that, that I think in the next couple of years uh, he won't be afraid to really push some, some interesting changes. Mike Breen from ABC and ESPN with us. Uh, Mike, when you look at the West, I'm going to get to the East here in a second, but when you look at the West, I think it's going to be a wild ride in the playoffs. I'm sure you'll agree on that, but what I'm hoping is that you can help me understand whether or not anybody can take Golden State away from an appearance in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's always uh, there's always that chance. You know, a star player has, you know, has an off night. Like, say, for example, say they play the Spurs, um, and you put Kawhi Leonard on Steph Curry. In, in my opinion, Curry, uh, Leonard is as good a defensive player as there is in the NBA right now. And, you know, he shuts down Curry, and how do they handle the pressure uh, of dealing with a team like the Spurs um, when their top guy is is struggling a little bit, or you get a team that has a, has somebody fall into foul trouble, one one loss at home can turn around a playoff series, uh, or even you know, and you certainly don't hope for this. Somebody turns an ankle. I mean, so it's it's always that possibility, but it's going to be interesting to see how Golden State, a team that that hasn't advanced far, how they handle being the number one hunted team in the playoffs, how they handle the pressure of. Hey, it's really the conference finals are bust. Uh, it's really if they don't make the, at least the conference finals, and in some cases the finals, it's looked at as a as a disappointing season. So that pressure is so much different, and it's turned up so much higher when you get into the postseason. But I'll say this: you know, we we keep talking about their dynamic offense and and how much fun it is to watch Curry and the Splash Brothers and the emotion of Draymond Green and and Bogut's passing for a big man. It's the defense that, to me, is the, the most impressive part, the way they defend, uh, that they're the best offensive team and the best defensive team. That's the scary thing. It's not like they can't win a game if they shoot 40% as a team, and that's what's going to be the thing to overcome. Not only are you going to have to slow them down a little bit, uh, but you've got to score against them because they're, they're such a good, solid defensive team. Andrew Bogut might be their secret weapon, Mike. Yeah, it, it it really does seem when when he plays his regular minutes and he was an effective Sean. He's he's because uh, he's a really good defender. He's an excellent passer. Um, he provides them some toughness. So it's um, it's a guy that that isn't getting you know as much as the publicity as some of his teammates. But he is he's obviously instrumental. Mike, with your duties with the New York Knicks, it allows you to see the East much more than I see them. I only see those two, uh, those Eastern Conference teams twice a year. Uh, what, what do you make of the Eastern Conference playoffs? Atlanta has obviously taken the top seed, but where does it go from there? Well, I, there are three teams that, that I think have a chance, and, and obviously it's, it's Atlanta, Cleveland, and Chicago. Uh, Toronto and Washington have both had good years. 
uh, and they could surprise somebody in the playoffs, but I don't think they're capable of winning three straight series, whereas I think the other three are. And, you know, Atlanta, uh, they've, got some, they've got some issues right now. Millsap's out. Um, he's going to be ready for the playoffs, but he won't be 100%. You had that uh, that horrible incident in New York where, where Cephalosha broke his leg, and, and he's a key member. And, you know, they could probably overcome that, but it's still, they're not the most talented team. They just play the best together in the East. And any little thing hurts their margin for error, especially when you're talking about trying to get to, a, to an NBA Finals. Uh, Cleveland is just since mid-January. They're playing as well as anybody. They're so good. They're so deep. And James is now, again, playing with that hunger that we didn't see earlier in the season. Uh, but the team, I think, is the, is the uh, wild card of Chicago. And it's not like Derrick Rose has to play like he was the season he was the MVP. He just needs to consistently give them a solid contribution because they're so deep. And if Rose plays good, consistent basketball, and if Joakim Noah, who's been hurt all year, um, if he can give them uh, – even close to the type of season he had last year and play that way in the playoffs, I think Chicago can come out of the East. They were my pick to begin in the season. Uh, they've had injuries all season, but I, I think they still have a chance to come out of the East. So those three teams, to me, are the only three possibilities. If I had to pin you down, and I don't know if this is your style, you said you picked a Chicago at the start. What about here at the end of the regular season? Which two teams – are playing in June for the NBA championship. Yeah, you know what, Sean, I, I never pick, I, I never do the predictions. Like, you know, when I say I pick Chicago, I thought Chicago was the favorite going into the season. But mm-hmm. I, I don't make, I don't like to make predictions because then when we go to arenas and and the teams, um, you know, they meet you and they, fans hear you on the air, they think, oh, the only, you're, you're rooting for them on the air because you picked them and stuff like that. So I stay away from predictions because I wind up being wrong anyway. Um, but I, I prefer not to predict. I just think those three are the only three teams that, that have a chance. I figured that was your style, but I had to ask. Um, meanwhile, Michael, I've got to fill out my NBA awards ballot this week, like many. I'm having trouble with MVP and Coach of the Year. Any thoughts on those two categories? Are you having trouble with any, any of the other ones? Because I'm having well. trouble on pretty much every single <laughs> award. It's brutal this year because some of them are so so close, and some of them – there's so many candidates. Um, the, the MVP has been, you know, I agree that, that um, Russell Westbrook and LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and I'd put Chris Paul, all deserve on a normal year. They'd be right there. But I think Harden and, and Curry, because of what they've done uh, from the start of the season to the end, the consistency all season long, um, have been the two clear um, clear-cut favorites now. And I have not made up my decision yet. I'm going to go through numbers one more time. You know, that one number about Curry um, that I'm sure you've heard, he hasn't even played in the fourth quarter of, I think it's 17 games. Mm-hmm. Not a second yeah. in the fourth quarter. That's how good and dominant they've been. He doesn't even have to play in the fourth quarter. Yet he still has, and that's almost a, a quarter of the season, yet he still has those numbers. And Harden, you look at, look at the amount of games missed by starters or projected starters. And he's still putting up these numbers, and his team is still having this season. So I, I don't know yet. I've got to go down, the, down the, uh, the numbers and try and find some kind of stat to, to put me over the edge for one or the other because I can't figure it out. The other one was coach of the year. I'm leaning towards Steve Kerr, but I could be swayed again. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same thing. It's, you know, like it, 
Now, they've got, what, 65 wins now. If they win their final two games, I think it's really hard to not give it to Steve Kerr. Um, now, I know he had the better roster. I know they won over 50 games last year. But to win 65 and maybe 67 games in this year's Western Conference and, and have his team playing at this level at both ends of the floor, um, that's pretty impressive. But then look back. I mean, Atlanta just squeaked into the playoffs last year. And now Budenholzer's his culture and his system have, have taken hold, and they have dominated the East. Dominated. They ran away with it. So it's it's uh, it's really hard. I haven't made my final decision on that. I know I'm playing Mr. Cop out here on you, Sean, but it's it's that hard for those two to come up with one. To, to finally write it out on the ballot is going to be a difficult thing. Look, all this conversation we've had today just means that we've had a great NBA season, don't you think? Uh, there's no question, and it's the the one thing is imagine if all the star players that have been out. Uh, with injuries, we're playing. Um, that's that shows to me um, what a great place the league is in. But you could miss so many star players, so many key guys missing a good portion of the season. Uh, yet it's still been one of the most exciting seasons. So there's so much talent. There's so many good teams. There's so many interesting storylines going into the playoffs. Uh, it really has been a wonderful year, and hopefully the playoffs could match it. With a couple days still to go, we may not know the answer to my last question, but Mike, any idea where ABC slash ESPN sends you for the first round of the playoffs? Uh, not, not yet. Uh, <laughs> the last few years, it's, uh, it's been kind of the follow LeBron uh, theory, so right. I would assume that that's a big part of it. Um, but it all depends on matchups, uh, and as you know, Sean, we, we, have no, we have no idea what those matchup, matchups are going to be. There's not one matchup set yet, not one single matchup set. That's amazing. And, again, that speaks to the value of all the things that we've talked about uh, as we get into the last days of the regular season. Mike, I know you're a busy man these days. It's certainly a treat to have you. I always appreciate your company, and thanks for coming on with us. All right, Sean. Hopefully I'll see you in the playoffs. I would love it, and so would Pelicans fans, too. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Racing fans, you won't want to miss the Professional Drag Racers Association Cajun Nationals Pro Mod at Thunder Road Raceway Park in Gilliam, Louisiana, just outside of Shreveport. This exciting event runs April 30th through May 2nd. For more information, visit www.racetrrp.com. And while in town, enjoy great gaming action, shopping, food, and nightlife. For additional things to see and do, visit shreveport-bossier.org or call 888-45-VISIT. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Phil Barber joins us now. Phil is a a writer, an entertaining writer, to say the least, from the Santa Rosa Press Democrat. He'll help us continue our NFL Draft Preview Series because Phil covers all things sports in the Bay Area, including the Oakland Raiders, who will select fourth in the upcoming NFL Draft. 
Phil, good morning. Is it okay that I uh, labeled you as an entertaining writer because that's how I find you? No, actually, that's way too much pressure. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be entertaining on this call, but I think you might have set me up on that. Uh, no, I don't know. I, you know, you blog, you write. I, I find it very entertaining. I like it a lot. So uh, with that being said, I, I, I find you uh, on your way, I think, to Giants opening day today. Uh, certainly, there's never a lack of anything to cover in the Bay Area, but I do want to pick your brain for a moment about the Raiders, who will select fourth, coming off of their 3-13 and season and have a new head coach as well. Uh, what are you hearing? What is your take on what the Raiders might try and do here to put a cap on what has been already a busy offseason? They have been busy. They didn't really uh, land too many haymakers uh, in free agency, but they did bring in a lot of new faces. Uh, if the Raiders keep their pick at number four, I would be very surprised if they did not go with the wide receiver. Uh, there, there probably would be a couple of uh, potentially great ones available in Amari Cooper and Kevin White. Um, I think Leonard Williams, the D lineman, is probably the guy everybody wants, and the Raiders would love to get him. I think he'll be gone by four. I think Cooper and, and White might both be around, and I think uh, either one of those guys could immediately upgrade the Raiders' offense and uh, really do a favor to their young quarterback, uh, Jared Vaughn. Yeah, their offensive numbers were woeful last year. Um, how much of the draft uh, will have to do with the personality and style of Jack Del Rio, and how much it will have to do with basically needs for the Raiders? Well, they do certainly have a lot of needs, but they're one of those teams, I mean, at 3-13, and 13, they have so many needs that really there's probably only a few positions you can check off uh, you know, I think they found, they do like they found their young quarterback. Uh, they picked up a, a really strong edge rusher last year. It looks like he could feel back. Uh, maybe, maybe they're solid at running back. So, really, they, they need both positions. So, uh, you know, I think in a, most cases, the best guy on the board will probably uh, be a fit for them. So, in, in a way, that's an advantage. But you're right in uh, thinking that Jack Del Rio will certainly have an imprint on the draft, um, you know, I haven't uh, been around him long enough to know necessarily what his um, desires are in that way, how they might differ from Dennis Allen's predecessor, who's also a defensive coach. Um, but uh, certainly Jack Rubio, with his uh, wealth of experience at the league, he, he's going to be heavily involved in this draft. But don't forget also, this is a huge draft. Reggie McKenzie, Raiders GM, really is fighting uh, for his job this year. And if, um, if, if it looks like his draft doesn't pan out, I think it's going to be hard for Reggie to keep his job next offseason. Very interesting. Hey, Phil, you kind of started with by saying uh, if, if the Raiders hold on to their fourth pick, is there a lot of trade talk rolling out there? I don't hear a ton of talk, but they're going to get a lot of calls, uh, especially if I'm thinking if Marriott is still on the board at four, there's going to be a lot of teams on the phone with Reggie McKenzie. And Reggie's proven himself in his two years in Oakland to be a pretty safe uh, collector of talent. You know, he came from Green Bay. That they did things in kind of a traditional way. They like to build through the draft. They like to bring in high-character guys. Reggie's the same way. And I could certainly picture... Uh, Reggie getting out of that number four spot, especially if, you know, let's, if someone calls and Reggie could 
pick up a second-round draft pick or a decent veteran player and move back just a little bit to, like, 10 or 12, I think people are doing that. And then a lot of things open up to them because there still might be a good receiver like maybe uh, Devontae Parker, the guy from Bill, might be on the board. One of those big uh, defensive linemen like Matt Malcolm Brown or Danny Shelton, and those are real names for the Raiders. So uh, I think, you know, all bets are off in terms of that number four pick. I can certainly see the Raiders trading out. Good stuff. Hey, Phil Barber from the Santa Rosa Press Democrat with us here. It gets us an idea of what the Raiders might do. Uh, hey, Phil, before I let you go, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the Warriors. It's quite possible the New Orleans Pelicans are going to see Golden State in the opening round of the NBA playoffs. Um, what's the freshest take on a team that seemingly has no drama and has done nothing but beat the daylights out of teams in the NBA this season? These guys are red hot. I would love to tell you, but, well, but look, you know, they, uh, they've got someone's got an injury that, that hasn't been publicized for, uh, you know, they, they've had these fourth quarter defensive laps that people are overlooking. But honestly, this team is red hot right now. Um, they they uh, had a, a big win recently against Portland, which is a pretty good team, and it was a tight game in the end of Warriors. But, uh, you know, they a couple of stumbling points against San Antonio and your team, the Pelicans, uh, did didn't turn into any sort of long problem. So this is a very good team. They're very confident. They play well together. You know, I, I think if the Pelicans were to uh, find a ray of hope, it's that they, they beat the Warriors, you know, very recently. And uh, deservedly so. The Pelicans played a great game. Um, I think that, uh, you know, you guys are coming on a bit. And if you do get into that number eight spot, I think it will be yeah, no, I think that's a fair take, to say the least. Phil Barber joining us from the uh, Santa Rosa Press Democrat. Thanks for all the good stuff today, Phil. Uh, by the way, enjoy opening day at AT&T Park. Uh, as much as I'm a uh, Cardinals fan, I do have to respect what the Giants have done, and I'm sure it'll be a festive atmosphere over there today. Yeah, it looks like a nice day. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, great to talk All right, thank you very much. Phil Barber joining us on our NFL Draft Preview Series. We'll take a quick break and talk a little golf here in just a second. The future is now for the New Orleans Pelicans as all-star Anthony Davis has become one of the elite players in the NBA. 2015-16 season tickets are now on sale, so make sure to get your seats now and receive special gifts as part of our parade of prizes. Season ticket holders receive great benefits, including access to exclusive team events, plus savings on concessions and merchandise. Be part of the best fan experience in the NBA by calling 525-HOOP or visiting pelicans.com today. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We've had a lot of ground to cover today. Obviously, the NFL draft upcoming, certainly the Pelicans in their playoff chase, and now the Russell Westbrook news. 
Uh, but, man, how could you ignore what happened on the PGA Tour and at the Masters over the weekend? What a day for golf and for Jordan Spieth. And to help us um, get some more perspective on this, we're very pleased to welcome in for the first time Amanda Balionis, who's at PGATour.com. She does a ton of stuff. She's all over the country, and she's got uh, she's got this thing right where she wants it, right? What do you want to say about Jordan Spieth and the Masters yesterday, Amanda? Oh, my gosh. It was probably one of the most memorable Masters we've had in recent history. I mean, you couldn't ask, really, for a better week from start to finish, especially for all of us who remembered last year when Jordan Spieth had an opportunity to really make history and win the green jacket in his first ever appearance at Augusta. He gave it away on Sunday. Uh, he, had a, he had a chip on his shoulder ever since then. I remember his press conference right after his, basically his loss to Bubba Watson on Sunday, and he said, someone said, you know, what are you feeling right now? And he said, all I keep thinking about is I can't wait to get back here again next year. And all he wanted to do was make up for the mistakes he made, was prove that he can handle it under pressure, and that is exactly what he did one year later. And it was one of the best stories. And aside from that, you know, we saw Tiger Woods not only make the cut, but put himself in the third-to-last group. Rory McIlroy's up there. Bill Mickelson's up there. So it was, I would say the 79th Masters was one of the most memorable that we've had uh, in recent history for sure. It's not like anybody laid down for this guy to go wire to wire for the first time since 1976. You mentioned Mickelson, and there were other big names there um, coming up his back there for a while, and then he just pushed them all away. It was incredible, and he said that after he won. He said, you know, I was trying to win with major champions Phil Mickelson and Justin Rose right on my heels, and there are a lot of moments on Sunday that could have changed the entire story that we ended up having on, on Sunday evening. The, every time Phil Mickelson made a birdie and you thought maybe it was time for him to start making his move, he gave it back uh, with an untimely bogey. Justin Rose had a lot of birdie putts that came up just short or just lift out, which would have really changed the pressure um, on Jordan. But it just didn't happen. You kind of had that feeling after Thursday's round and especially after Friday when he broke the 36-hole scoring record, that this was just Jordan's week. I remember on Thursday he had about a four-footer, five-footer, and he thought he missed it. And he hit the putt, he immediately came out of his stance and walked towards it, and the putt fell in. And you rarely see that anyway, but you never see that on Augusta's greens. You never think you missed it and the ball goes in the hole. That just doesn't happen. And when you see those kind of things start to happen, for a player like Jordan Spieth, you have that feeling, okay, this is just his week. He's going to get some good breaks, and that's exactly what you need around Augusta because you're not going to play perfectly. You're going to miss some shots, and you need the good breaks, and you need to play as flawlessly as possible, and those two things certainly came together for the 21-year-old. You mentioned that, Pot. It was a big moment. How much, how much of his greatness, though, was helped by the fact that he got out with such ease off the first tee. His first hole just looked routine, like like no big deal. That's Jordan, though, and that, I think that's what we're all really coming to learn from him is that he thrives on pressure. And there are not many athletes, there are not many golfers that you see that where when the pressure is on, that's when he's at his best. And this, this is a very, very difficult game that these guys play week in and week out. And a lot of times it's those pressure moments that really define a player for, for better or for worse. And for Jordan, every single time he's been put under pressure, he pulls through when it counts. And, you know, we saw that with his first ever PGA Tour victory when 
you know, he holed out from the greenside bunker for the win at the John Deere Classic. And we all said, okay, this kid is the real deal. He wins in the playoff at Valspar. Um, you know, in last week when he lost, when he, he put himself in contention again, he lost in the playoff in his home state with his family watching. And I said uh, to one of my fellow employees that we were talking about, I said, you know, that loss is just going to spur him on. He has been playing so well. And the chip on his shoulder, it just got so much bigger to come into the Masters. And that's exactly what he said on Sunday evening. He said, you know, obviously last year weighed heavily on me. He said that losing last week in the way that I did and knowing how well I was playing, he wasn't going to let that happen twice. So Jordan Speed, he's a very impressive player for any age. But let's really remember, he's 21 years old and has a maturity well beyond his years and well beyond the years of a lot of experienced veterans that we see out on tour. Yeah, Nick Faldo said yesterday, old head on young shoulders. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Amanda, how much did golf need need Jordan Spieth this past weekend, and how much do they need him to take a next step? We are in a really exciting time with golf. I, I think, first of all, it was important for Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods to prove, hey, we may be getting older, but we're not done yet. We've still got some magic you know, left in our arsenal. Phil Mickelson coming in with a runner-up finish. Rory McIlroy carding, um, you know, that, that Sunday 66, Tiger Woods putting himself in there. All of that is great stuff for us. But having Jordan Spieth now reach world number two, it's the first time ever in the history of golf that we've had world number one and world number two be under the age of 25. And that is, that's important for us because people love Rory McIlroy. They love Jordan Spieth. They love Ricky Fowler, who we, we always talk about. They need to step up. Uh, Dustin Johnson putting himself kind of in there you know he, he fell off on Sunday but putting himself in contention already winning a WGC this season uh, we need the young guys to start stepping up and do great things and that's exactly what's starting to happen so it's kind of the perfect combination between the old era and the new era Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson look like they still have it they're still going strong while well, we have Rory, Jordan, Dustin, Ricky all you know all of them kind of coming into their own as well so it's gonna be a really special few years out on the PGA Tour. Great stuff. I'm glad we had you. You need to check out Amanda Balionis on PGATour.com. Sure was a lot of fun this weekend. And, Amanda, enjoy the, the rest of the season. We have so much more to go. Oh, thank you so much. It was, it was a very memorable week for sure. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back. The Black and Blue Report continues in just a moment. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Pelicans fans, be sure to download the team's official app so you can play our new game, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Help Pierre the Pelicans save the coast in this infinite flying adventure. Save as many miles of the coast as you can before the water rises. This fun interactive game includes a basketball bonus round and educational facts about the environment provided by the Audubon Nature Institute. Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Available only on the Pelicans app. Download it today. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. 
Great start to a great week of shows here on the Black and Blue Report. We've got so much more to cover this week. Obviously, the NBA is at the top of the list. NFL Draft Talk continues, and a whole lot more as we continue to uh, work an exciting April, to say the least. Thanks again today to Phil Barber from the Santa Rosa Press Democrat, Mike Green from ABC and ESPN NBA Basketball, and also Amanda Balionis from PGA Tour. Com. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sean Kelly Live. Uh, you're free to share your thoughts today about the Russell Westbrook situation. Um, I, I guess at this point it is what it is. Uh, I'm not happy about it. I know many of you are not happy about it. And, I, and I, when I say I'm not happy about it, I'm not happy about the whole thing. Not, not the fact that um, you know this, this hurts the Pelicans or could potentially hurt the Pelicans, but there's a lot of layers here that none of them look real good. And that's kind of how I'll leave it. But feel free to give me your thoughts at Sean Kelly Live on Twitter. Uh, don't forget you can follow this show at Black Blue Report on Twitter as well. That's where you'll find all the daily news uh, regarding our lineup and whatnot from our good old friend Daniel Sallers. And Daniel is our host tomorrow from uh, Studio B on Airline Drive in New Orleans. We'll have uh, plenty of more NBA coverage, including a recap of tonight's Pelicans and Timberwolves game. Mark Kestisher from the NBA on ESPN Radio, also scheduled to go. And our draft our NFL draft series uh, should continue with pick number five uh, with Daniel tomorrow afternoon central. Again, weekdays afternoon central. You'll find us right here on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'll see you on the radio tonight. Go Pelicans. Let's get one here before we head home to wrap up the regular season. I'm Sean Kelly. Hey, so long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.